Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon were joined by Martin O'Neill after another pulsating weekend of action. With Chelsea and Manchester City putting on a Premier League classic, has Pochettino gone anyway to dispelling the myth of being the bridesmaid and never the bride? Meantime, it was another weekend of refereeing snipes with Roberto De Zerbi claiming to dislike 80% of English referees. Can the atmosphere change anytime soon? Plus, who are the most informed team in the Premier League? The answer may surprise you. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Well, Simon, we're used to player movement, manager movement. It's all happening down the road from here at Downing Street, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah? Indeed, yeah. I Are mean, you going to feature in some of the reshuffle? No, <laughs> no. I, I have a little bit too much substance and, and I sort of stand by what I say. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised by what your chums in government are doing right <laughs> Not now? Not my chums. Um, am I surprised? No, because they don't have any gumption. Did I think that what she wrote... Um, was absolutely on the money. A lot of it, yes. Some of it, no. Was it necessary? Possibly. Mm. In the tomes that she framed it, probably not. But I'd like people to have a bit more courage than be led by the nose. And if we're going to wheel David Cameron back in, for God's sakes, here's a man that absolutely lacks the courage of his convictions. I remember doing Question Time with one of his spads, Camilla Cavendish, (laughs) who admitted live on air that they had absolutely no policies whatsoever for a, a leave vote. None. No preparation. None. Really? And that's and that's the government of the country that had been in situ for six years that called on this, um, you know, this Brexit vote, this vote in terms of separating from Europe, and didn't have any contingency plan. Nobody in business, nobody in life mm. doesn't have a contingency plan for something that's not given 
i.e. it wasn't a given that the country wasn't going to vote that okay. they, the way they thought it was. So I, I think it's preposterous that Cameron's back in place. Preposterous. Well, Mark, we're, we're going to be keeping our eye on it. James Cleverly replaces uh, Bra- Braverman as Home Secretary. She was sacked this morning. Former PM Cameron in the mix to become Foreign Secretary. It is all happening. Um, let me tell you, it won't be us uh, who will be right in the thick of it. Well, we'll, we'll largely you know, be spectators on the sidelines, but for the very latest in the comings and goings at number 10 this morning, Times Radio is the only place you need to be tune in uh, via DAB or Times Radio app or if you're in front of a screen you can get Talk TV on Sky 522 Virgin Media 606 and Freeview 237 and Martin at any time of the day or night throw in your view let us know are you about to become sports minister have you got a surprise for us this morning um, <clears throat> no no I'm I'm delighted to be here delighted <laughs> to hear Simon taking a political view yes and uh, yeah I'm very very strong I personally speaking, I thought that uh, Braverman had to go. Really, um, felt that she, she was kind of undermining the, um, yeah. the prime minister in many aspects. And uh, and while Simon said that she had a number of good points and a number of poor points, I think the poor points for me outweighed the good points. Okay, well, um, no doubt any breaking news coming from that direction down Downing Street Way, we will bring it to you first and fastest on this show this morning because we're all about getting the news out to you guys out there. We're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook, so if you want to watch this show this morning, you can head over to the official TalkSport channel on those platforms. Martin, it was quite a weekend. Chelsea and Manchester City played out an eight-goal thriller in what was a 4-4 draw. Cole Palmer, incidentally, Martin, just as you were coming in the door this morning, called up to the senior England squad for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice reward for for him. Do you like what you see in this boy? Do you think he's going to be a big star? He looks at um, terrific football, uh, terrific footballer, I should say, yeah. and playing terrific football as well too at the same time. Settled in there at Chelsea uh, quite quickly after Manchester City. I suppose maybe he had a point to prove yesterday. They all possibly say that. I um I, I thought he was nervous taking the penalty kick as well too. So just a brilliant performance from an attacking midfield player. That's where I see him in at this minute. The first his first thought in his head is to pick the ball up and actually look forward, and 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 the ability to dribble past players as well too is uh, it's possibly a dying art, but I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, what do we make of it, Simon? Here's a boy who's turned uh, away from Manchester City, yeah. moved on from Pep Guardiola, and could well become one of Chelsea's most important players. Well, he's not the first player to have decided that the first-team opportunities for him at Man City might have been limited True. and move on. Yeah. Jadon Sancho was obviously in that position. Interesting, because I had a couple of people... Um, when he was transferred from Man City to Chelsea, questioning perhaps the boy's character, not mm. his character on the field, but his outlook towards life and perhaps his discipline. That's not showing itself at Chelsea. I'm not surprised he rammed the penalty home. This is playing against a team that ultimately he's got perhaps a point to prove, so he stepped up and overcome his nerves. He's a good player. You know, he's a good player. He deserved to be called up into the, into the England squad on the basis of what Gareth Southgate <coughs> supposedly selects on. He selects on form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with games like Malta coming up, which is the teams that we should walk past, I'm not surprised that he gives these guys an opportunity. He's got a European Championship next year. If this kid has a season Mm. of the kind of substance he's currently having, then getting him in the mix, getting him blooded into the international environment, making that step into the full side and around the squad may well be useful for next year's European Championships. Although he did say in his post-match interview that he was before the game, the night before the game, he was really excited about this particular game. That excitement, when you mention that as a point, then perhaps maybe they, because of the opposition they were playing, maybe maybe it had a um, mm. had some sort of an effect on him. 
I'm agreeing with Simon. You don't necessarily have to always prove a point against uh, your um, your. But it's um, nice to do so. Past team, absolutely. Yeah. But because it was so quickly afterwards, after his transfer. It probably had still uh, some sort of effect on him. I saw a very animated Mauricio Pochettino at the end of the game, Martin. <coughs> um, is Pochettino so, showing signs that he could be more than a bridesmaid at Chelsea? Do you think he's got? Is he going to be up there with Klopp and Pep in in due course? Well, he's a lot of winning to do to to catch them. A lot of winning to do. And um, I saw that little spat with the referee at the end. I don't know. I my own view. <laughs> I've done that in the past, so it was really for sure more than anything else, I think. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, there, there are nice signs at Chelsea. It was a really great game, I must admit, and Chelsea played their part. Uh, they, they, they eventually beat Tottenham Hotspur down to, I think, Tottenham are two players on at the end of the game. But um, they've won the match. But uh, I think he's a lot of winning to do yet to, to, uh, to catch up with Guardiola and Klopp. You agree with that, Simon? I mean, oh, of in course. the past you've said a, a fair bit about Pochettino, but now we're seeing him, yeah, now no, we're seeing I've what also, he can I've do. I've also said that Chelsea can win a league in the next three years. I've also turned around and said yeah. that Chelsea will be competing at the top of the table. Mm. So what he's doing is showing this wonderful opportunity to, embar- to manage this embarrassment of riches that's been bought for him. So it's inevitable that Chelsea are going to start finding some form. This wasn't going to go on forever. The fact they got a win against Spurs, Spurs gave them the win, Spurs handed it to them. So, you know, with, with the best respect in the world, Chelsea got given their head. But they scored four goals against Manchester City. They've played well. So I'm not surprised that Chelsea are beginning to regain their poise, beginning to get themselves together. I don't doubt that Pochettino will get um, Chelsea in and around the top four sooner rather than later. It doesn't alter the equation that this fella <coughs> is not going to be overtaking Klopp and Guardiola anytime soon. Why? Irrespective. Why? Because he's not good enough. He's not in the same bracket as those managers. But what do you base that on, Simon? I base it upon looking at his, looking at the way that he manages, looking at what he did at Tottenham Hotspur, which was great, getting you close to having a whiff of winning something but not actually winning anything, going to PSG, seeming to want to leave PSG after being there for five minutes, doing what every PSG manager does, which is win the league but nothing else, and coming back to Chelsea in the same sort of position, a bit wiser perhaps than was before. I don't see him as having that winning gene. I see him as Has being... Has he the foundations to do it, though? I didn't see him overthrowing Pep or Klopp when he was at Tottenham, for sure, but now he could. Well, I think I don't think he'll be the person that takes Chelsea to the place that they want to be. I think he'll be part, a bit more than the part that Eddie Howe, I believe, will pay at Newcastle, but I believe that he'll pay a, pl- a part in making sure that Bowley starts to understand what really running a football club involves and what really employing managers that are capable of winning leagues involves. But Pochettino is one of the best of the rest. And there was a very unique gang. They're a very small gang because I get tired of this. But Deserve is in the best of the no, rest. No, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, I'm, talking about, no, I'm talking about the elite gang. You know, Emery. We, like, the we door. like to use the term world class for players and spray yeah. it around like confetti. And there's only a few of those around, but everyone that has a few good few games is world class. There's only a few elite managers. Ancelotti's one of them. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Pep's one of them. Yeah. Clearly one of them, and probably the top of the pile. And Klopp. And I just see that Pochettino is a very good manager that will get a decent Chelsea side in and around the top four. Man, this is your field. We're talking managers. Who's elite and who's not? Have we, have we only got Klopp and Pep who are the elite? Well, I mean, if, if you're talking about elite, you're talking about managers who have won consistently, who are serial winners. And that's the, the, and, and what they've done at their football clubs. And Klopp and, and Guardiola stand out, obviously stand out, taking on Alex Ferguson, uh, serial winner for years and years and years. Yeah. You're talking about, I'm talking about Arsene Wenger. Okay. Arsene... Um, 
maybe not my favourite character, but a terrific manager. Really? Really, really terrific Why manager. Oh, we had a few little spats in the in the past. Nothing to write home about. But I must admit, but seriously, a brilliant, brilliant manager. No question about it. Yeah. So, but you have to be winning. You have to be winning a lot to be uh, to be put into that category. And if you've got the wherewithal, hopefully Pochettino looks as if he has that now, then perhaps maybe in the next couple of years we could be talking about that. But you have to win. Do you think he has? Do you, yeah, I mean, give us your forecast. Will he oh, well, join the elite? Well, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I forecast. Listen, I, I wish I could forecast things like that. Uh, he, he has the wherewithal at Chelsea now. And there, and there are certainly signs of, of, of a bit of recovery. There's no question about that. They played brilliantly yesterday. Uh, really good performance. You've got to keep that going. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. A whole variety of comments post-match over the weekend, not least from Roberto De Zerbe, uh, because after Brighton and Sheffield United did their stuff, De Zerbe spoke out, and it was a bit strange, some of his material post-match. I am... Honest and clear. I don't like the the eighty percent of England referee, but it's not a, a new thing, no. Because uh, I don't like them. I don't like the the their behavior on the pitch. Uh, no. He doesn't. He doesn't like English referees. Eighty uh, percent of them, Martin. Um, of course, that comes hot in the heels of what happened on the pitch. Brent went down to ten men. Uh, Deserbi himself got a yellow card uh, for complaints to the fourth official. He says, "I don't like eighty percent of the English referees. Not for me. It's not a new thing. I don't like them." Well, I saw the interview, and uh, he was looking up into the air. I think for uh, into the clouds. I think for inspiration to find out: shall I go eighty percent? Shall I go sixty-five percent? Shall I go fifty-three and a quarter percent? I think that was the, that was the point. So he plucked this eighty percent out of the air. I mean, th- this time last week, I was in full support of Arteta's rant in the sense that yes. that I thought that uh, he had a, had a point. Not on the three issues, but the one where where the goal should have been disallowed, as far as I'm concerned, was on the second one when the push took place. Okay, and in the heat of the moment, I've done it before myself, and therefore, I, you know, I I I I, I cannot be uh, uh, condemning something that I did myself. Not that that matters a great deal. However, I thought in the heat of the moment he had a point to do it. Then we thought maybe he's carried it on too far, and that's it. Here's the point: the referee. The referees have a really difficult job. The interesting thing about De Zerbe, he actually agreed with the sending off. This is the crazy thing about it. He's actually agreed with it. And then he said, well, I don't like 80% of the referees. I, don't, I, 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 I just don't know where we're going with this, really, because the referees have an incredibly difficult job and we managers are not helping that situation at all. And are you including Arteta in that now? Now you've time to reflect. No, 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 no. Not, not, I, the, the, run, the, the, the immediacy of the... Of, of your interview afterwards, you're inclined to say something and you feel it and this is what you feel. Is that honestly true though, Martin? You can't it, gather your thoughts for a few that, moments. Wait a minute. Wait a, that's, that's difficult. It's particularly when you think that there has been, uh, has been a, a miscarriage of justice. For That's, that's amazing to think, talk about a game of football. But if, let's, let's, let's get it clear. But let's say an injustice has, and, you've, and it's cost you the game in that sense, then absolutely you're going to be riled. And it doesn't really matter. And you might gather your thoughts halfway down the corridor, but by the time that you go up there, you're ranting again. You're going for it. And I thought that that, that was absolutely fine. And I'll still stick by it. And so, I bet so you're you, having a tete about not having deserved No, 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 no. I didn't say that. 
I didn't say that. I said I was having that part of it, that part of it. But there was a continuation. When he did say, Simon pulled me on it, and it's quite right, he did, he did say that there were three elements of it and two of them were uh, disputable. The one that I didn't think was disputable at all was the mm. one that where, where it should have been disallowed. That was the point, and hence it cost him the game. That was my point. Forget about the rest of it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sticking up for Arteta and then saying De Zerbi's wrong. What I'm saying is that that particular instance. But De Zerbi, I couldn't get the point because he was saying that the referee was right to send the player off, but then he was then he said, but he, he, as I say, he plucked something out of the air from eighty percent. I mean, it it seems to me I I don't think De Zerbi in the court light of day believes what he said post match. I don't think he well, thinks. I don't like eighty percent well, of the English referees. If you ask him a question, I, do you mean what you say and say what you mean? In a different context, I'm pretty sure he'd say yes, I do. So mm. we'll have him on this and say that this is what he means. Right? That it's not the case of managers. If you're going to do a manager, if you're going to do an interview with a manager after a game, and one of the subject matters is going to be about refereeing decisions that have been controversial doing it, then it has to be priced in that there's going to be or baked into the conversation or baked into the tolerance that the various authorities have that there's going to be an element of dissent in that. It's how far that dissent goes. Where that dissent doesn't go or shouldn't be allowed to go is to turn around and say that our refereeing standards are substandard to the rest of Europe. Because you don't have any empirical evidence to support that. You're not managing in any of those leagues. Yeah. You're just making assertions. You can't really have a grown-up manager turn around and say, I don't like 80% of English referees. Right? Well, have you encountered 80% of English referees? And why are you making this statement specifically on the back of a situation where, in fact, the, uh, the issue of controversy is one that you agree with? I think it's ridiculous. And again, I go to the points, which is this is not really about singling out referees this is about singling out the authority that officialdom is trying to reclaim in the game yeah and there is a resistance and this ridiculous notion that you want this quango passing as a uh, as the league managers association to come in and arbitrate any sort of discussion about what's going to be done and what's not going to be done with refereeing howard webb needs to put his foot down we don't need your input we don't need your direction we don't need your values what we need you to do is do your job get your players in line stop allowing players to behave in a certain way and we'll clear up our act if there's problems in our acts yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, Martin, where do you stand in Pochettino? Because uh, he issued an apology to Anthony Taylor after his full-time outburst on the pitch uh, after the game at Sanford Bridge against City. This was Poch. I need to apologise, uh, Anthony, and the referees, and uh, yeah, for official because no, because in this moment I I feel that maybe Rain can go f- through and go to score. No, the the fifth. I deserve to be booked, you know, because yes, I was. I, I crossed the limit, but I want to apologize because it's not good image for um, for me and for the and for football. No, this type of behavior. So he thought Raheem was well on his way to going through and making it five four in the dying moments. And what do you know? Taylor blows up. It's over. So he's apologizing. So we can put all that down to emotion. That's just Look, another manager being emotional. Just that, that that part of the interview only supported my 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 theory was that I thought he did that for show in the first place. And then he's realised what he's done, and he seems a really decent man. I don't know him at all, but he seems a really decent man, and he wanted to apologise because he felt as if to say that his behaviour at that particular second was out of order. And that was the point, and I, I, and I accept that. 
So again, getting back to the point, so make he went up there for, for I thought for show to. The, the, by the way, the, the in terms of the incident, it's not up to him when the referee blows the whistle. At the end of the day, it's you know it's the referee blew it at that particular time. Chelsea had miles to go to score. They scored four, so he might have thought, well, maybe we could get one, but it's not. They had miles to go before they got the goal. He did that in the spur of the moment, and he apologised afterwards, which was and if Anthony Taylor has accepted the apology. That's fine. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Manchester United didn't exactly set the heather and fire against Luton. They won 1 0, but fairly unexpected unspectacular stuff you might say but after all the setbacks are they in a positive place this was Eric Ten Hag on that even after all the setbacks where we have to uh, where we dealt with uh, we are still uh, in a position close nearby at the top four and when we start to play well uh, when we get it done that a team uh, is set uh, for a couple of weeks and months now we won our last four games from five in Premier League, which is good. So we are actually in a quite good position. If you oversee all the trouble we have, we are in a very good position. And that is a reason for being optimistic. I mean, have we lost perspective of, on where United are, Simon? You say, no, it's all right. We're going along quite nicely. So they're sixth this morning on 21 points, seven behind City at the top. Depends where you think Manchester United should be based upon last season's performance and what you would have expected to have seen this season. If you think hanging on by your fingernails into the Champions League, um, having gotten beaten in several games and beaten quite, you know, quite emphatically by Bayern Munich, which is the most convincing 4-3 you'll ever see, and you think some of the performances they put in this season and being sixth in the league 
is the blueprint for suggesting that all is relatively well in a Man United garden, then that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't denote it that way. And if the benchmark this season was we must get into the top four, and top four is our benchmark, then then he's right, isn't he? Because they're in touching distance. They're a few points behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Champions League performance has been at best dire. It has been <laughs> dire. They nicked past Copenhagen in the first game. You know, they've gotten beaten by Galatasaray. They've got beaten by Bayern Munich. They've got beaten by Copenhagen again. I mean, if their, if their blueprint is we must... Man United now, Man United 2023, their version of success is we get in the top four and we win the League Cup then by those standards, they're successful. By the standards that I would have imagined that observers, impartial and neutral observers, and of course those that are heavily invested would expect of Man United, they would expect a lot more than that. Mm. You see, over the weekend, Martin, I think I saw a statistic that domestically, domestically, they're the most informed team in the Premier League. Well, I'll preface everything by saying, first of all, winning is it. Winning is everything. You have to win the games. The last couple of matches they played, they haven't played all that well, and they've won. They scored in the very, very last minute against Fulham. Big, big victory again. Keep back and saying every every victory is big, and they beat Luton Town as well. That's the most important thing. What what you are as a manager, you are you you are delighted with the wins, even if you haven't played well, because you're hoping you're hoping that things will change, that you will play better and that you can then win games with a wee bit more panache and a wee bit more grace or whatever the, whatever the adjectives you want to describe it. That's the thing. I still think Manchester United are pretty average side this minute, and for all their woes, I, do, I don't... Winning is very, very important. I just... I don't... I, if you are comparing or contrasting from last season, has there been a massive improvement? You would have to say, I, I don't really see it at this minute. But then again, it's, you know, it's... Um, yeah. Go on. You were going to how stop me. Well, I think it, no, it comes down to... Go on, Simon. How, come we on. Make, how are we making a case for them, one of them being the informed sides in the Premier League? Mm. Their most recent games have been a 1-0 win against Burnley. Four a one, wins in five. A 1-0 loss against Palace. You know, look at the opposition yeah. that they've played yeah. when we talk about it. They, they, I mean, they couldn't have a run of fixtures besides the Man City spanking that mm. they got. Yeah. Right? They've played Brentford. They've played Sheffield United. Well, you can only they've played what's in front of you. I know, but these are sides by by the love Four of God. Wins in yeah. five. Yeah, but look at the look at the opposition they've been playing against. Brentford, okay, is a decent side, but they're not a top side in the no, division. No, but the stat is four Sheffield, wins in five, not brackets. Look who they're playing against. Well, you you have to price that into the conversation when we're talking about informed sides. Fulham are dreadful at this moment in time. <laughs> Luton, are, you know, are bottom of the league and in and around that space because that. That's where they deserve to be. Not Are you arguing with four wins and five? I, of course I am, because I'm looking I, at the wins. I'm I looking mean, at the wins. If you're an owner of Manchester United, you'd be happy with that. Well, well, no, because the owner of Man United should expect a higher standard. Winning is winning. At the end yeah. of the day, you bank these wins, you move on. Right. You build a better side. Are we seeing a better side being developed? Are you seeing Are we progress? S- well, on what basis? Your team is six in the league, beating teams like Fulham one nil. I know, but, I'm, but like I'm with Jim 1-0. in that. There, you can't, you can't choose. There's a set. There, you sometimes you get a wee bit lucky. Sometimes you get really unlucky with a set of fixtures that have come up. And Manchester United have got a little bit of luck with the, those particular fixtures. But you can't. You, you can only play what's in front of you. They, have they played all that brilliantly? Not at all. Yeah. No, they haven't. They've 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 scrambled through and won those particular matches. Which is a so manager. When they play a live thing, one. Like a champ, when they play a live one, like a Champions yeah, League they, side. They, yeah, they that's true. Beat. They're Champions League so, form has been uh, has been very very poor. There's mm. no question about that there, and they and they might not make it through the in, into the uh, into the uh, group stages. But they're or, going to get better. They're not. They're going to get better. Ten Hag is saying that that's his point at the moment. Look at where we are. We're six and we're we're going along quite nicely, very quietly going along quite nicely. 
Not far off the top four, certainly not far off. City aren't out of reach by any stretch of the imagination in November. No one's, so, out, of, no no one's, one's, no one's out of reach after 12 games of the season or whatever it is, you know, so no one's there. Yeah. So that, that's that's true. It's the one, if you want to look upwards, you're saying... You're, you're judging I'm, by their peers, And five points away from the Champions You're judging by their peers and the teams that are in around them. Tottenham have beaten them, Arsenal have beaten them, Brighton beat them recently, Man City smashed them into the next life. So where's mm. this progress that we're looking for? Mm. What they're doing is beating the sides that you would expect even an average Manchester United to beat. Mm. And they're losing to some of them. But they're only five points off top four. Well, that may tell you something about what's happening in the top four rather than Mm. how good Man United are. I mean, at the end of the day, Simon, I take your point. In in Europe, yeah, in the Champions League, far from impressive. But what about the league form? And and Martin's right, of course he's right, because the fixtures come as they come, right? But we're trying to make a case to stop the hysteria around Ten Hag and look at the reality of what Man United are doing and look at the world through Ten Hag's eyes. Mm. And there's an element of that's fair enough because Arteta was given enough licence and he Mm. was given enough time to build a football team. Why should it be any different from Ten Hag? Ferguson was given enough time to build a football team, but the world has changed. And Ten Hag is is looking at a side that has micromanagement and media that has micromanagement in its expectation of Manchester United. Because we're now saying that with the with, with the, the narrative that's been built up for the last three or four weeks, it's not if potentially Ten Hag is going to go, when is he going to go, and what is going to be the event that gets him gone? What is it going to be? Is it going to be getting knocked out of the Champions League? Is it going to be a run of form in the league that shows that they're not actually making any progress? No one really knows because no one knows the thinking of the mindset of the people that hired him in the first place. No one knows that because no one's ever spoken to them. The Glazers have never given an interview. No one understands what their thinking is. These are the same people that gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer three years, 168 games. So there's a reasonable amount of thought process that probably Ten Hag is going to be given a similar amount of time to correct whatever mm. the current malaise is. But you cannot look at the Champions The Champions League will be a defining point for Man United because it's a huge amount of revenue that they throw away that the Glazers clearly need because they always want this money to service debt and all the things that antagonise the Man United fans in the first place. But the bottom line is is that they are. They're sixth in the league. And do- domestically, they're OK, so he's right to be optimistic. But the moment they play anyone of any substance, they get bashed. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Is there a fine line between players taking responsibility versus player power? Where is the balance? Now, Martin, before you come in on this, really want you to listen to John Obi mckell who joined us last week, former Chelsea midfielder, hugely popular player and very popular guest on this show, I have to say as well. And he spoke quite openly and candidly, Martin, about how the Chelsea players ran the dressing room. On the pitch, you know, JT was the man. Uh, and sometimes as well, when this, you know, the dressing room is not together, he was the guy that always brought us together. On the pitch, of the pitch, you know, he was he was, he he was the leader. And like you've just said, there's too many players here with with big egos, the likes of DJ Drogba, Frank Lampard, Peter Cech, Ashley Cole. You know, everybody has their own opinion. Mm. Uh, if you wanted someone out. The players could get that someone out. <laughs> Is that right? That's I the mean, same I, everywhere. You did not. You were not having Rafa Benitez, were you? No, we were not. We made that clear. I think. I think obviously, probably from his time at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Liverpool was a big rivalry for us. But coming into the club as well, I think the fans also didn't like Rafa. And same as well with the players. We didn't really accept him as one of us. Yeah. Then he had the team with JT, you know, where JT got dropped. Uh, JT wasn't playing as much that, as much as he wanted because obviously JT was always playing. And Rafa comes, he was like, okay, you're not going to play every game. You know, we had the power. We had the power. I think, I think JT, Frank, 
uh, DDA, DDA was very opinion. DDA had a lot of voice in the dressing room when they feel like, okay, this manager is not giving the players what we want and we're not playing as much as we want. We're not enjoying ourselves the way we want to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> he's gone. You know, we'll come together. We'll, you know, try to, you know, figure out a way whereby, you know, <laughs> we'll get someone in that we want. And, and was Abramovich aware that you guys were virtually running it? Yeah. Yeah, he knew that. But at the end of the day, he wanted us to be happy as well because at the end of the day, the football players, the players are the most important people in the club. Martin O'Neill is sitting... You, you look quite bemused to what you were listening to there, Martin. Have you ever been close to that in your managerial experience? Well, first of all, I'm dumbfounded by that. Really am, you know, sitting there doing an interview, laughing there about, uh, you know, getting rid of managers. His job is to play, regardless of whether you like the manager or not, is to play. Obviously, big egos at, at Chelsea. I've, I've been in football clubs where the players that I brought in into a football club eventually became, had big egos because we were winning football games. It's your job as a manager to be able to deal with that. But my point, point is this here, that suddenly you don't like a manager coming into a football club. It was a poor appointment in the first place anyway because it was never going to work. I'm talking about Rafa Benitez coming into Chelsea. But even so, there's someone there actually saying our, our job was really to get it out and someone didn't play a couple of games. Therefore, you know, let, 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 it, let us have a, a power game. Players have too much power and that, that's a proof of that. There, so That game has changed completely since I was playing. We didn't have any power at all and we felt that that was unfair and it was. And now players have all the power, or the or the agents have all the power with with the players, and therefore it's a, a complete um, a complete change, a complete landscape change in many aspects. But man, having said that, Obi Mikel and Chelsea let, won everything. Just let me finish. It worked just for let them. Me well, I don't know whether did they win everything under Benitez that little spell. He, he wasn't there that long. But as a group, or, they won everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a as a group, well, they they changed managers every every right. every every week. I think at the end of the day, so somewhere along the way, you know, I'll play for a manager for a fortnight because he'll be here. He'll be gone in three weeks. And they did have some really great managers as well. To Jose Mourinho's uh, spell was a terrific manager. So what I'm trying to say to you is this here: that you're talking about player power. You're talking about you're talking about somebody openly talking about it, and that's fine. Okay, he's gone. He's 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 out of the game now, and he's saying saying these particular things. It's a disappointment to me. You don't have to like the manager all the time. You don't. I am. I did. There's lots of players I didn't like, and then but you've got to try and get them to play for you. There was this idea that there was player power, to getting back to your point, player power at Nottingham Forest. And please when, do me when you were there. Please do me a favour. I was there for I was there for nineteen games at the end of do me a favour. Player power at Nottingham Forest. There wasn't a player strong enough or the personality enough to 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 uh, to usurp me. Uh, believe it or not, honestly, it was just ridiculous, you know, to talk about it. It, it you know what it is. But did they there, get did they get you there out was in the one, end? Not, no, players didn't get me out in the end. There was two, two, I believe there was a couple of players, nondescript players, who sent their agents up to talk to the uh, talk to the CEO. Bigger fool him to listen to them if that's the case. I want to run the football club the way I want to run it. If it's not the way that Maranakis wants me to run the football club, that's fine. But please don't give me this here about player power. It was a it was a nice little narrative for the local journalists and things like this here and another a couple of other boys who latched on to this particular thing. Player power. If I it, seriously, if Henrik Larsson or Chris Sutton or or Neil Lennon come up and said we don't like the way you're dealing with things. You know what? I dismiss them, but I might even think about it. But when I've got a crowd of nondescripts at Nottingham Forest come up and saying we don't like the way you're doing it, please give me a break. Honestly, enough of this self-effacement. I, if I'd been there long enough at the football club, I got off to a worse start at Leicester City than I did to Nottingham Forest. A worse start. 
and I was and, and the chances are I was probably a better manager at Nottingham Forest at the end of the day. got mm. 19 games and I, so yeah you keep saying it. But am you, I bitter about it absolutely I am but this idea about player power please do me a favour but you do concede though Martin that a couple of them went behind your back at Forest went so to the I CEO hear, so and I said yeah, listen yeah, we're not yeah. having Martin O'Neill yeah they were really good players those lads who've done fantastically since all three of them have signed for Real Madrid Nonsense! Absolute nonsense! They're playing. When you they're playing that, non-league football now at this minute. Did you it's, go after them when you got? I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it at the time. Player power. It was thrown to me about a week after I'd left the football club. Player power. Give me a break, man. On seriously, I tell, you know, as I said to you, nondescript players talking about it. You know, there was this idea. We had a player there that uh, that has paid supposedly fifteen million pounds for a lad called Cavallio. Nice little footballer, get you the sack, and then so what, he he played a he played a number of games. Played one really good game for us, and the rest of them was pretty poor. But the crowd had taken to him because his name actually to sound Carvalho. You could actually get a ring of it, you know, Carvalho playing. <laughs> I'd like to know where Carvalho is now. He's playing. He's he's back at he's at uh, Olympiacos General Sub. He's been out and. Two or three, uh, two or three clubs out in loan at uh, Al- Almeria, places like this here. At the end of the day, sorry, I don't, I don't get it. I don't really don't get it. Player power, as I said to you, if some big players that I brought through or something like this here had said to me, we're not wildly sure about your manager. So you're you know, not having care value. It, do you concede, though, Martin, that in your managerial career you did fall out with certain players, and that in itself was a risky business? Falling, I. Do you know what? I didn't mind. Confrontation is part of my game, and that's this. Is, I I enjoyed confrontation. All the managers don't. They sure, might shirk away from it. I enjoyed confrontation. But let me put it this way: I give praise and criticism out in equal measure. If somebody's praised, I tell you, I praise them to the high heavens at the end of the day. And all the players, all the players you'll talk about this, praise them to the high heavens because they're winning football games for me, which is my... Uh, and if players are not doing it, I'm sorry, they're going to have to take the criticism. And you know what? The interesting thing about all of this here is that the players, remarkably what Obi uh, Mikel says, players do still want some discipline. They want a leader in the football club. And if you're strong enough to be that leader, then well do. If, if you're not strong enough, then players will rip you apart is is what Danny Mills said about you you played under you at Norwich does this have any truth in it he said that life under Martin O'Neill was a case of Marmite he either loved you or hated you that, 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 actually I give Danny his debut uh, when he was 18 years of age he played the opening game against Luton Town he, and Danny ended up having a really good career mm. didn't do well that day but uh uh, actually give away a penalty although we beat Luton 3-1 but what I'm saying is is that <laughs> um, you know what he did no, uh, Danny was terrific but uh, no this, this sort of thing about Marmite again there were some players there that I thought should do better at the football club I just arrived at at, uh, at uh, Norwich City at the time but this idea that I would there, yes there's players that, that I loved for a week and, and and didn't like for a fortnight at the end of the day. But they all came back. Once those players were doing well, I I was all over them. I'm telling you, they could do no absolutely no wrong. You had to win the games, first of all, and then we'll, t- we'll take it after that. But this idea that I was falling out with everybody, I didn't. But Celtic players, I mean, I would, yes, I would have arguments with the very, very best of players. No problem with that there. But I, hopefully I could deal with it. Oh, please, but nothing think. ever became irreparable with you between yourself and a player. You never fall out, and that that was it. It's done. Uh, uh, oh, it's, oh, oh. The, the point it, only that it would split only, the dressing oh, room. Yeah, only if the player was no good to me. 
at the end of the day. Only if he was no good and there was no way back. But chances are, to be fair, I always allowed a way back for a player, probably as much selfishly for myself, because I might need that player again somewhere. But uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not having this player power at Nottingham Forest. You're 100% essential down. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.